0: The rich, feed the
1: poor, old no more well, there's the old Alvin Lee familiar lyrics from ten years after, so prophetic so many decades ago starts our show on a regular basis when we're regular, which is we try to be, at least most of the time, regular. Take some broadcasting Metamucil. Uh, welcome to October. It's here, October 1st. And if the things that are shaping up in all the quarters that deal with our lives are any indication of what this month's going to be, it's going to be a a humdinger. Whoa, as old Keith Jackson used to say. Uh, Roger Sales with you on the Tuesday edition of the Redidio Ranch People's Patriot Network, our fledgling show and network and audience. Uh, uh, not a whole bunch of you, but there's some real sharp ones out there and people that really care or wake know what's happening or have a perspective on the world like few others. There's so much going on. Uh, it's it, it's overwhelming. To a certain extent, Um, I'm going to take a little bit different direction today and uh, play some videos. Um, Two, I've had three, but uh, let's see, welcome Cody here. I mute people out there to keep those. Good morning. Morning, sir. How are you doing this morning, this bright and early Tuesday morning? October the 1st it is, Cody.
2: Is that red October? (laughs)
1: <laughs> there's, no telling, there's no telling what kind of October this one's going to be, buddy. Don't they say
2: that they like to do things in October, red flags and uh, all of that?
1: Uh... October is a traditional month for, for a lot of things that have happened historically for a number of reasons. Uh, remember what the last day of the month is.
2: Well, yeah, yes, yeah, all the devil worshippers.
1: Well, it's the high holy devil month, and if you go back in a financial, uh, in a financial sense, we just went through the change in the fiscal year of the government, and all these corporations have this last quarter reporting to do, and it's generally a time when when the financial mischievousness comes to a head. The other things to remember, traditionally, American business made most of their profits in the last two to three months of the year. The rest of the time is employee and overhead and taxes and everything else, and this is their profit. So when you get in a bad economic situation and you're heading into the brightest part of the year and it looks like a dark tunnel, things seem to happen. Investors start jettisoning investments, switching, changing, all those kind of things. It's a very tumultuous time of the year because, once again, of this concept of synergy, Cody, uh, you know, synergy is an exponential reaction. Uh, any situations that's synergistic where you have more than two two or more vectors that come together, the reaction then right. becomes exponential. And, and where if it's two vectors that come together, you might get a, an exponent of three. All right. And you add a third vector in there and your exponent goes up to seven or nine. So every time right. you add another pressure, another situation into the catalytic reaction, it just does nothing but amplify and multiply it on an exponential level. So all those things really yeah. wrap around October, man. And there's probably more, too. But those are the ones that come to my mind right off the bat.
2: Well, speaking about economics, uh, Ship Gold just had a report out yesterday. Forty states lacking funds to pay bills and it it starts out talking about the good states. Alaska, uh, my home state, North Dakota, has thirty thousand extra per taxpayer. Iowa has seven hundred extra. There's ten states that have extra, Iowa being the one with the least extra of seven hundred dollars. But we go with Mont or Minnesota being negative two hundred per taxpayer, all the way down to New Jersey it'd be a negative $65,100 per taxpayer.
1: Well, you and, know what? You know uh, what? You know what that tells me? For <laughs> management yeah. is what it tells me when you no, got professional, no, no, uh, no, you there, know, no, there's
2: auditors, a, accountants.
1: I've got a better observation than that. You don't want to be a taxpayer.
2: Oh, yeah. You know?
1: Well, all you got to yep. do is file your affidavit and you're no longer a taxpayer.
2: You say you still have to pay, which you said, explain that again. You still have to pay, but only in a couple categories. What were those categories well, again? The,
1: according to the Internal Revenue Code, 26, Code of Federal Regulations, 1.1 1A, you know, uh, that says that this is exactly what it says, pretty much. And I might miss a a pause or something, but in essence it says an income tax, that means you're a taxpayer, an income tax is owed by every individual who is a citizen of the United States or resident, and to the exception of 871B and 877B, all non-resident individuals. Those two sections of the code, one of them has to do with, there's a very famous case, Cody. Now, you're kind of new to this, and I know you're not throwing yourself in the legal end of it. Have you ever heard of a case called Brush Haber versus Union Pacific Railroad?
2: Yeah, you talked about, I think I did look it up one day, but I kind of forget the gist of it.
1: Well, you're never going to read it. I've never read it. It's long, it's boring, and it covers a lot of mundane stuff. But the important part is it was the very first case called the case of first impression or a landmark case on the newly passed or ratified 16th Amendment. The newly, let me rephrase that, the newly falsely ratified 16th Amendment, okay? And in that case, Bush Haber uh, was a... Uh, Union Pacific Railroad, he had bonds. I don't remember if he worked for him or not, but he had bonds, and this was over the tax on those bonds, okay? And so in the case, it was brought up in court. It doesn't reflect it in the case, but it does reflect it in the synopsis of the case, interestingly enough, online. And Bruce Haber's attorney brought up the fact that he was a non-resident alien. Okay. It, it wasn't in the decision, but it was brought up in open court. Now, whenever the Supreme Court decides on a tax issue, there is written over at the Treasury Department what's called a TD, and that stands for Treasury Decision, because the Treasury has to know how to operate after the decision of the court on that issue. Right? Makes sense. So when the Haber case was decided, the TD, and I think it's 2314, it might be 2413, I don't remember, you can go out and find it. I went to the Emory Law Library, Cody, over there in Decatur, and looked at it in the actual document myself, back when we were doing research, Tom Schram and I'd go over there all the time, and I found it, okay, and it says... Frank Bush okay. Haber, okay, this is the first sentence of the Treasury dis- decision, whichever one of those two I said it was. Frank Bush Haber, a citizen of the state of New York. That's the opening sentence, okay? And, they, and it goes on to say, and a non-resident alien. And it's signed, that Treasury decision was signed by a guy named McAdoo, who's pretty, His family's pretty famous in governmental stuff historically. So anyway, that's, that is uh, the uh, exception. Because he's a non-resident, 871B, you've got to pay those, all right? And the other one is if you truly want to expatriate. Those are the only two sections that apply to U.S. nationals. And that's stated in their Code of Federal Regulations. I'm just interpreting it for you from all the damn fraud that they've imputed into it from the start. Because, once again, there's only to this, is back to to uh, uh, Jim S.'s call week four last there, all that minutiae stuff we went into. Oh, you're I'm not a U.S. national, I'm a USA national. Doesn't matter what they call you. You're only... You're, you're either one of two statuses. You're either free or you're bond. Now, there are, there is no other status you can be rather than free or bond, okay? And right there, it's reflected. Who are the bondsmen? Citizens of the United States and residents. Who is the free one? Well, in this instance, they call him a non-resident alien, but he's the free guy because there's only two statuses, and you got to be one or the other. Mm-hmm.
2: The, uh, but you got that letter one time. You said Florida said that you are no longer can be a citizen of the no, state. No, and that, no,
1: that no, 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 Cody. No, Cody. When I talk, listen to me. I said these things are important. I got a letter back. I requested yeah. a letter from the Secretary of State of Florida stating that I was a state citizen of Florida. And he wrote me back and said, I can't do that because the Secretary of State of the United States has the ultimate authority on all matters concerning citizenship. I believe that was his exact words.
2: Yeah, I remember that's what she said, but but oh, oh or, or Nebraska didn't really have that opinion, well, right? Well, they they actually know, for, the, uh...
1: well, for one thing, Nebraska's got a unicameral legislature. It's the only state in the union that does. Okay. So they're a little bit different out there from the get-go, but some Secretary of State didn't know the difference, didn't think like that, hadn't been educated like he had, whatever the situation was. Uh, I don't remember if anybody else who wrote off for those letters got them or not, you know, honestly. But it doesn't really matter, as we know from the Supreme Court and now the Florida Secretary of State. The Secretary of the State of the United States has got ultimate authority. And, and you know, when you think that through, and I've tried to do that many times, the reason they set the government up, there, uh, uh, up like that where he had that authority is because that's the passport-issuing body. So the passport issuing body has to have the authority to say who's what.
2: Well, I think the Constitution actually calls for all all immigration issues. I think is actually listed in the Constitution. Well, that's part of it. You
1: know, well, the the old days, you see, every state couldn't take care of their own immigration and all that stuff, even though when you naturalized back in the old days, you naturalized through the state. You didn't naturalize through the federal folks. Okay, they've changed yeah, that as they that. consolidate. Well, I didn't know it. Glenn dug it up when he was editing the book, uh, and it was very surprising to me, but it's been confirmed since. Brent talked about it one time on here. So anyway, uh, that's kind of what it is, As you were giving us that stuff. I say, well, you don't want to be a taxpayer? Don't be one of them. You can, you can undo your I- taxpayer status very easy. Okay.
2: I learned a, a new interesting legal word last night when I was listening to the uh, National Liberty Alliance call, and, and Brent was on there a little bit, too, answering a question for a gentleman. He was talking about an attainder, and I remember reading about that in the Constitution. It says no bills of attainder, and apparently what an attainder was is when you would be convicted of a crime by the the governing body, whether the legislature or the king, Without seeing a judge, and I didn't realize that that was, that's that serious when we talked about that in the Constitution. That's a pretty serious thing well, to have happen to well, you me, without any judicial I, oversight. So I can see why they said no bills of attainder. And uh, or yeah, or they or they they'd laws, come but, and
1: say, hey, hey, Cody, we're going to put a couple of soldiers up with you and Susanna for a couple of months. How about that?
2: Well, that that's in there too, right?
1: Yep. Of course, and you know what, yeah. I, I, right yeah. before the show, and I'm going to plug it real heavily, and I, I don't agree with everything I heard on there, and I know people have got misconceptions about history because all the crap that we've been fed and how we've been programmed, but right up to the show today, and I started last night, and I got and I, I went, ended up going to bed before it got finished, but on the Rick Wiles True News episode yesterday, they are a, a likening Cody uh, uh the Russia gate and now this latest fiasco, which we 're going to get into in just a little bit. I got a short video I want to play on this uh a akin okay. to Fort Sumter and the country being set up for civil war, and how uh they were looking to say what Adam Schiff did the other day I, you, you saw him get up there and read that Hollywood script version in on international television on the transcript. But, but, but. That's
2: it's, just totally unacceptable uh, Well, what he did cause he had my wife it, thinking it, that that was real. And it, I said, listen to what he said at the it, very end.
1: It, it's not. You know, it's not. He's, char- no, he's no. characterizing. It, That's total uh, Cody, BS what he was it, doing no, there. it's not. Totally, it, it is sedition. It, there's a legal crime called Sedition. It's what he did, and they go into it in depth on that Rick Wiles program, and I'm going to uh, encourage everybody to, uh, uh, if you're <laughs> oriented, want to listen to some real good background and dialogue on what's going on here, and then I got something to add they don't even know about, I think, and probably at least as of that show, uh, the name of it. Let me see if I can find it here. I'll give you the exact name. Fort Sumner Replay. Democrats' bombardment of Trump pushing USA to civil war. You can just put true news to our T R U T R U N E W S in YouTube and and that. His uh, yeah, section or something, it'll come right up. Um, it sure, is, it, and I haven't even gotten through all of. Well, it you know, yet. they
2: said that Lincoln was really America's first dictator, and I, you know, I kind of forget all the uh, the details of the DiLorenzo videos. But if anybody out there really wants to hear the true story of Lincoln, that is a Michael DiLorenzo, D I, L E
1: N. Yeah, uh, a, a D, it's, it's pretty much – sa- it spells like it sounds. L-O-R-N-Z-O. Yeah. You yeah. can but find a it really I think, but uh And there, the, uh, you there's you another –
2: That's really interesting about that. He really was not for the blacks at all. He did not no. – I forget all the details. He didn't care about slavery. They call America's first dictator.
1: He didn't. He didn't care about slavery one way or the other. We could do a whole week of shows on Lincoln, and we've done many of them here in the past when we used to have Michael Gaddy around. But and he certainly is not the virtuous hero that he's made out to be. They used him to federalize the federalize the United States, get this uh, set up to to shove the Fourteenth Amendment through, so they could control the world with it. Hundred years later, these guys knew exactly what they were doing, man. Okay,
2: and magically he was in the state that has the second highest on that list of debt. You know, Uh, Illinois and then New Jersey had the highest, fifty-two thousand or or something. And magically, you know, he's rep. I think he he was actually born in Kentucky, I believe, but.
1: Well, he he was no paragon of virtue. His wife was weird. Uh, He was weird. Uh, The whole the whole cabinet was weird. You know, the I think one of his cabinet members called him the gorilla down the hall because he had real long arms that dangled down. I mean, it was just uh, and (laughs) some of the things. And and what was happening? Well, listen, they they said something here. They said what
2: kind of they you said know, the some logic damage he had from some of that.
1: They said something here on this true news segment that was really interesting. I'd never heard it before, and that is that Fort Sumner happened the day after Lincoln was inaugurated. Now I don't know if that's true or not. I have I'd never seen that drawn out before, but the parallel they were drawing was all the Democrats' sedition against Lincoln. He had to go and imprison the whole. Uh, uh maryland legislature he imp- he actually jailed uh francis scott key's grandson and because uh, he was editor of a newspaper there in maryland somewhere and somebody else real famous uh, uh so um but what they're saying here on this Rick Wiles thing is that was the sedition from the Democrats, and he was putting them in jail, which is the parallel they're saying. Is Trump going to go get Adam Schiff and put him in jail for sedition for this stunt that he pulled? Well, with the separation of powers, how could the, you know.
2: Technically, how could a president do it unless? Well, uh, technically, you know, unless the,
1: world... the technically the president is the commander in chief. He should be able to do anything. If they got somebody for treason, should be able to do the same thing. But now you've got the you've got the the immovable force uh, versus the uh, irres- irresistible force versus the immovable object, and you've got these two factions of. The Trump, the Trumper kind of deep state with a nationalistic bent is going up against the Trotskyite, Satanist, communist Zionists over on the other side. And they're losing. He's beating them and they're freaking out. Okay, now what I want to do, and that's a good transition as to where we are. uh, Everybody virtually on this call knows who Bill still is. Uh, Great. He's been doing these great uh, documentaries on the monetary system for 20 years first one was called The Money Masters back in the early 90s. You just to have to watch it on video, and the only thing you could get was a copy that had been dubbed two or three times, and the quality was terrible, but the information was great. A couple of years later, uh, about uh, uh, dare of 15 or so, he did another one called The Secrets of Oz. Which is not terrible quality, it's Hollywood Hollywood quality, top-notch documentary, and won the documentary of the year in the year 2011. It's not chopped chicken liver. This yep. guy's got a great background. He knows what he's talking. Well, about. Well, don't forget about Michael
2: Maloney there for all the other listeners. He's I think well, they got not, links on the People well, yeah, Patriot yeah, Network. Uh,
1: yeah, he's great. Website.
2: He he he's very good. Also,
1: he is. But I'm not going to play one of his videos right now. I'm going to play one of Bill Stills. Okay. So I'm giving oh, okay. the audience some background. Right. Okay, so Bill so, is what we got I feel uh, like that. Excellent. Well that wanted to lead up and transition to this. You called and we you know conversation's gone off <laughs> somewhere else like it's prone to do. You okay. Uh, so let me see I'm gonna see if I can look at the volumes here. I cued it up to the start and I'm gonna give you a little bit of background ahead of time. This is gonna sound somewhat confusing to you. Listen closely. This is Bill Still going over what one of his viewers, who is an expert on Photoshop, sent him as information. So as he says on here, I don't know if it's accurate. It sure sounds accurate to me. Somebody knew what they were talking about, and it fits the scenario. And one thing that it would obviously uh, uh, accentuate is the desperation in these guys' camp. They got a guy that's wrecking their agenda. His popularity is overwhelming. Everything they've tried, they've tried Russiagate for, what, uh, three, three years now as a distraction, A, and to try and keep him from getting things accomplished, B. And so that failed. Now they've come back with this because next fall is the election and the next four years he can get stuff done against their agenda and they are freaking out okay so i'm going to just key this in i'll play with the levels if they're not right and uh let's see how we go here
0: good evening i'm still reporting on the fake whistleblower This just in on the desperate Dems' attempt to put this fake rumor blower story out in the MSM way before cleaning up the mess they apparently made by forging government documents to support when this change was made. Now, I'm not technically skilled enough to check these allegations out, but I'm sure there will be a dozen people on comments who can do this. I gave it a good try for about an hour this evening and almost got there, but not quite. I think it's safer for me to admit my lack of expertise, and if the story is wrong, then it's wrong. This is in keeping with the old reporter's mantra, only say what you know is true and you'll never go wrong. I got the same kind of tip in comments several years ago when a Photoshop expert from Miami sent me an extensive report on how the document purporting to be Obama's birth certificate from Hawaii was constructed fraudulently with Photoshop. The problem was that Photoshop images are really constructed in layers and those layers all have metadata attached to them, timestamps and sometimes authors, etc. Now there is a process where experts in Photoshop can render a document so that it is simply a picture of the final Photoshop file. That completely wipes out all the metadata tags from the different layers. Well, guess what? That first image that was released by the White House still contained the tags, so experts across the nation could immediately tell that the document was a complete forgery. So then the left took to deriding anyone providing this proof, calling them a racist, because the facts could not be disputed. It worked. Now, almost no one brings up that Obama's birth certificate, as released by the White House, was a provable forgery. So here we go again. Let's assume that this is really a CIA covert operation and this notion that there was a whistleblower or rumor blower out there who wanted to report gossip to the inspector general. Well, it was a pretty risky operation if it's untrue but that just shows how desperate they really are and how they don't care if they get caught in another lie because there have been so many lies and they no doubt have a handy supply of the next lie to cover over the previous lie and almost no one figures this all out. So this just came in on my comments and if it's true it should be easy to prove and if it is true then it completely blows this rumor blower exercise out of the water. The following are the words of my commenter. They keep reporting the whistleblower form was changed in August. That is false. If you go into properties of the PDF file of the form, it shows it was actually created on September 24, 2019. It also shows it was then modified on September 25, 2019, the very next day. The reason for modifying it the next day was likely due to having, forgetting to change the prior revision date of the form, which was 28 May 18. They changed that on September 25, 2019 to Revision August 2019. They tried to backdate it to August when the phony whistleblower submitted his complaint but the actual change in policy to allow hearsay was actually changed on September 24th, 2019, which is right after lawyers like DeGeneva revealed this person cannot claim whistleblower protection because the law does not allow for hearsay. A whistleblower must have firsthand knowledge of any... Ro- A whistleblower must have firsthand knowledge of any wrongdoing. Once that was being reported, they rushed in on 9 24 They rushed in on 9-24-2019 and created a new form to allow hearsay. Then on 9-25-2019, they went back in and modified the form to change the revision date to Revision August 2019, which is not the proper format for the date. The old form shows the proper format for the revision date as 28 May 18. The new revision date shows August 2019. No day just the month and year, and it's even in a different font than the old form's revision date of 28 May 18. They are engaging in a cover-up of a cover-up to back-date the new rule to August 2019, which is when the phony whistleblower submitted the complaint. Also, there is the actual form the whistleblower is required to fill out. We didn't get to see that. Only the legal brief that was obviously written by attorneys and not the whistleblower. So let me know what you think in comments. I'm still reporting from just outside the one-time free speech capital of the world. Good day.
1: There you go. So I don't know about all that. I I was listening to it. Like, I want to thank Don in Thailand for sending me that. Uh, I was listening to it as I was getting ready this morning and fixing my breakfast and I was listening to it in the kitchen, and I i couldn't hardly follow it. It's very complex, and that's why I said listen close. I'll post that at the end of uh, the show links today, or you can go look yes. at uh, Bill Still's uh, uh, w- uh, site on YouTube, but it's uh, Was the Rumor? blower document a fake is the name title of that video Uh, so I don't know if it's true or not it sounds like he's very credible I know his audience is on top of things he drew the parallel back to the Obama birth certificate the same type of scenario and if what the guy read sent him right there is correct it's obvious they're monkeying with these documents okay and this uh, especially the hearsay admissibility of whistleblowers Uh, so we'll see as it unfolds I wanted to play it Not to get into the technical aspects of that because I think it's not relevant and it's relevant, but not to us here in the standpoint of being very specific, but just to know that there's shenanigans going on. This one might be easily uncovered and blow up on their face, but I think the more important point of this is to point out their desperation in doing things like this. Okay? And the other thing, when he used the Obama illustration about the birth certificate to show you how sloppy these guys can be.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that an artist would, you know, not, oh, what do they call it, flatten the dock. It's just hard to, you know, who knows? Maybe it's all BS. Well, it's just yeah. the. Um,
1: It shows their arrogance and humorous and the fact that in many instances, just like in many instances in the 9-11 fiasco, that all the details weren't totally taken care of. And the good thing about this and their desperation is it makes them speed up their agenda. And when they start speeding up and get desperate like a guy uh, turning circles in the middle, uh, you know, spinning circles, is they make mistakes, Cody. And that's how they get demised. And that's why it's happened over over 100 times historically. It always happens. They always screw themselves up.
2: Let me ask you this on the kind of the same note you know in the past people have made the you guys have made the comments that when governments start to fall apart that um, you know the the thievery becomes just ridiculous. you know kind of ridiculous well, um is there any books or anything written where some of that history is kind of, in, you know, laid out? Where,
1: yeah, try you know, the. It's
2: just interesting. You, know, you look at all these the, governments broke you, and all that. I'm just curious. That.
1: Why don't you start with the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because that's where it really... But every empire, when they're fallen, they steal everything under the sun. Listen, let me tell you what happened. I'm going to give you an unbelievable example. Now, this is... When I was still in Argentina, and it's when Macri won, this guy that they're about to get voted out that's causing all the problems down there. When he won, I was going into a trip to Buenos Aires for Christmas and spent Christmas down there the day of the inauguration. Okay? I mean, the, uh, the bus normal trip that i'd take the the route that they'd take was totally rerouted and everything was crowded down there because they had streets barricaded off and all that and i had a hard time getting to where i usually stayed and so uh as i'm down there that morning and all of that chaos the peronists who is the party that was going out you know juan peron and the legacy of of evita etc the communist socialists if you will same bunch Mm. okay that and, and remember in argentina that's the start of the summer and it's getting real hot about the middle of december and if you're in buenos aires that the city absorbs the the streets and the buildings absorb all that sun all day long and they it doesn't dissipate at night so it stays hot and humid and muggy and it's really really uncomfortable okay and that day that I got in there, the day of the inauguration, the Peronists had gone into all the hospitals and the old folks' homes and stolen the air conditioners. Jesus. Now, that happened. I where you're going that, with this story. That, wow. that happened, huh. buddy. That happened. There's another incident down there. One of her ministers, and I don't remember which one the, got minister of parks or so, some guy and late at night there's a, a some woman in uh, you know old woman in, in an apartment building here's a car pull up and the door slam and so she goes and looks out her window and she sees this guy grab a couple of bags and go into this park or a restory of a church or something and go in there with a shovel. And he goes in, stays in there. I, I don't know whether she could see him digging or not, but uh, uh, she called the police and they came and investigated. They caught the guy with like four or five million dollars in dollars, euros, pesos, gold, and he was burying them. It was one of her ministers. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, man. Hey Samuel, what's going on, brother?
3: Hey guys. Um yeah, I wanted to chime in a Good little Lord. bit on Lincoln. This this is from my recent listening to David Strait. Uh, according to him, he spent two years in the government archives in Washington D C looking at the past to try to figure out how we got here. And part of it was on Lincoln. According to him, Lincoln was in contact with Karl Marx. Um He was governor of Illinois. He passed some communist stuff in the state. He says that's why the state is still screwed up to today. Um, He ran for president six times, but nobody wanted him in there because they knew he was a communist. (laughs) And then when he does get in power, he's given $7 million from the Northeastern banks and the, the big powerhouses in Illinois to run against his opponent, which had a war chest of 5,000. Okay. Now this is what really gets me. Here's a guy who took this 7 million to get into office and then does the greenback he must have really pissed them off.
1: He did piss them off. Who was and, he really working? Well, they were wanting 23 percent interest, I think, on loans, and he went and did the greenback. Yeah. There was a real good article I read years ago on the guy that came up with that idea that gave it to Lincoln through a friend, and how Lincoln got a hold of the idea from the greenback, and they hated the greenback because, in essence, in conceptual monetary theory the government can create paper money and it'll run the country but there's a trick to it and the problem is humans are involved okay and the trick is you have to tax out what you spend in to circulation The government prints the greenback, and they spend it on, like, infrastructure projects, roads, bridges, however, and they actually spend it, that's important, into circulation. Then it circulates and allows people to exchange goods and services, and they tax out the same amount eventually that they spent in so there's no excess for speculation. Yeah, he— he he also started all, is, the,
3: uh, all the all the martial martial law uh, and, and executive orders.
1: Well, he, he and when he
3: gets the order, order one hundred, which is which was is within a month of him being in office, we're under uh, military
1: rule. But yeah, there's no doubt he there was a lot of rotten stuff that went on. Uh, I was particularly interested in that point that Rick Wiles said, that Fort Sumter was the next day. See, you haven't been around when you were gone, Samuel, there for a couple of years. We had this guy on once a week named Michael Gaddy. And you said Mr. Strait spent, what, a month up there? Michael Gaddy. Two years. He's been going into the National Archives for 30 years and spending the entire weekend. Okay, not only that, he's gone to Monticello, uh, Red Hill, all those, and read every document in there. And he's a walking uh, a, a dictionary on this. And the first show we ever had him on, he proved that the they before Fort Sumter, they tried another false flag down in, around Pensacola in a federal fort down there. And they got caught and it didn't pull it off. This Fort Sumter was the second false flag that started it, that they used. And it was a false according flag. To, okay. So. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, according to this, Marx, Marx didn't want the South to be able to split away because he felt they weren't for labor. They were for slavery. So he wanted Lincoln to defeat them so that they could get the labor movement going in the country. At least that's a lot of the speculation. Well, you
1: know, you had a whole lot of immigrants from Russia and Prussia that were these early communists back then. A huge number of generals in the northern forces were, were communist-oriented and had come out of the Midwest, where a lot of them, western Pennsylvania and Ohio and in some of those areas, okay? So but that influence was there already and uh there's no doubt about it but there's uh, there's a lot of parallels to everything that went on then happening right now that's the that's the point to make you know uh really yeah. well, Um
3: that, that- the interesting thing that I see, Roger, that, that uh, who is he really What was he really trying to do? Because he takes seven million and then he turns his back on him and does the greenback. So what is he really up to? You know,
1: <laughs> well, and he didn't give a damn about slavery. He didn't care one way or the other. He was ambivalent oh, towards know. it and made the statement publicly. But one of the quotes that I came across years ago is very telling on exactly what you're talking about, Samuel. I mentioned it just the other day. It came into a conversation. But Lincoln said, I have two enemies the Southern army at the front and the bankers at the back. Of the two, I fear the latter. Right. Okay. So, yeah, those pressures were there. Uh, And speaking of money and pressures, that's the other one thing I wanted to get to. I wanted to get that Bill Still thing out of the way just because it's interesting and provocative and to show and point out the desperation of these creeps. This other one, and I'm going to play this in its entirety, and it's 40 minutes long. And I don't usually do stuff like that, but this was so startling to me last night, and it's absolute brand-new first-impression information. And it comes from an incredibly reliable source. And the source is Rob Kirby. For some reason, this Sunday, I did not flip over as I normally do first thing on Sundays and see who Greg Hunter has on his Sunday edition. And I missed this when I saw it pop up last night and watched it late, and I was astounded. And Kirby has come up with what I think, you know, what i've learned over all my years of research researching all this intricate stuff is when you've got everything's kind of uncertain out there and you got maybe several options and things are just shaky and you're not firm about it in your mind and all of a sudden something comes along and boom it just fits it fits and everything settles okay and that's what this is and um it is what's happening with the excess global dollar reserves how they're keeping the huge amount of inflation that we should be inundated with off the table for the most part and what's mm-hmm. going on especially in cody you're going to you should listen to this real close cuz it's all about oil okay and fracking all right okay so I'm going to put this on. It's 40 minutes long. I wanted to get the Bill Still out of the way. Oh, I think I. Okay. I I think I listened to that already. Well, you might want to listen to it again uh, uh, because I'm wanting to. All right. Uh, I I wanted to get the Bill Still discussion and some of that short little thing and the importance of it out of the way. And this is going to be a long video. He he doesn't, it's mostly Bob Kirby. Uh, because he gets going, and Greg's smart enough and knows that this is first impression and, and important information and concepts, and he just lets him talk. So it's mostly Rob Kirby. For those, Do you know who Rob Kirby is, Cody?
2: I've listened to him several times on Greg Hunter's program, but I'm not Really
1: sure. Well, he's a big-time Yeah, I can't tell you exactly. He's a big-time gold dealer. He deals in tons, and he used to be a derivatives wow. and bond trader for the most of his career, and he's real big pals okay. with Jim Willie and that whole group of incredibly uh, knowledgeable and because of people like Rob Kirby, alternate financial people that do commentaries out there on trying to give us heads up and understand what 's happening so we can make correct decisions, okay, but he is incredibly highly credible he 's tied in with Katherine Austin Fitz and Dr. Mark Skidmore that found the twenty three trillion missing and uh, and, and he 's that kind of an individual, so as the old how do you look at?
3: Roger, how do you look this uh, video up?
1: Uh, you can go to usawatchdog.com. Watchdog. Um, he's the kind of guy. What's it if you usawatchdog.com. Yeah, what's the video called? What's well, it the video is, called? It'll be the one on the top of the page. It's interview with Rob Kirby. I don't know what it's called but he, the Greg okay, does absolutely. he does a, a Wednesday video and a Friday video on news usually and then a Sunday video so it's the latest one it'll be at the top of the page USAwatchdog.com okay, you. you're welcome if those of us who are old enough Remember the old TV campaign where there'd be some kind of a, a restaurant setting, and this all of a sudden there's a you know loud noise, and waiters, and all these people in the room, and these guy'd lean over to another guy at the table to whisper something to him, and everything'd go silent. And you right. remember when E. F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Remember that? Uh-huh. Right. Rob Kirby's E. F. Hutton. Listen. Okay. No. Yeah
3: we Will do. Can get this, I'll uh, sign off and put my listening ears on.
1: Yeah, and I'm just going to start it from the first, let Greg get into his stuff, do the whole interview. It's uh, 40 minutes long, almost on the nose, and we'll talk about it. I wanted to leave some room at the back end to talk about it. So if you want to call back in, uh, you can go get the number off the web page, or if you're just listening, it's grab a pencil, 404 448 1420. So if you want to call in and converse with us, but let's get into this. I think you're going to be shocked at the ingenuity, the deviousness, and the planning ability of our enemy. He
4: talked to me and said, you know, if it goes on a few days, it's it's fine. But if it goes on longer, it could be a much a much bigger problem. He's an expert in derivatives, expert in gold. He's a macroeconomic analyst. He runs KirbyAnalytics.com. Rob Kirby, thanks for joining us today on USAWatchdog.com.
5: Wonderful to be with you again, Greg.
4: Good to be here. I just wanted to to flesh flesh out this your resume a little bit. You, in the early days of your career, were on the cutting edge of derivatives. There's not much you don't know about derivatives, repos, uh, funding. Uh, Everybody sees you as a is a gold guy but really you are a a bond a repo a a derivative i mean you know all about this stuff so that's why i called you first when they were starting to have these you know a couple first few days of this shakings in the repo market and you were like yeah this has happened before i've seen this but anyway i wanted to get on to Uh, You know, it looks like they now they're reporting, and I don't know if you can believe reporting. It looks like they have the repo market, you know, under control. Yet Martin Armstrong says, "Oh no, no, no! This is uh, this is going to continue. This is we're going to have dollar, uh, you know, going higher. We're going to have dollar shortages and liquidity uh, shortages and things like that." Uh, I want to kind of get your take on what's going on uh, in the repo market in the dollar market. What's going on?
5: Well, Greg, firstly, I want to say that my 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 understanding and my belief uh, as to what's behind this, uh, this requirement for liquidity, it's, it, my, own, my own personal take on it has been evolving very quickly over the past eight or ten days uh, as, as I've read more into what's actually occurring. And where my head is at the moment, uh, it's that this is all related to oil and if you had asked me three or four days ago i would have said it's probably related to something in the junk bond market uh as it relates to uh, ford uh, motor company debt uh but i've I've moved on from that and i i now believe that everything's tied to oil because after all uh, the us dollar is referred to as the petrodollar and it would make sense that any disruption in the, in the material fabric of the dollar world would be tied to oil. And, you know, when, when you look into what's behind uh, the, the dollar, and, if you, and particularly in light of what's happened to American oil production relative to the rest of the world and what the rest of the world has been doing with their oil, uh, things have come into focus in the last sort of really in the last 24 hours for me very, very clearly as to what's likely going on. And I, I've, before this interview, Greg, I sent you a, I sent you a, like a headline and Warden Business School. Yeah, it's from the Warden Business School and it's dated. Okay. And, and it's, you know, this, this has sort of come up in, in, in my proddings in the last sort of 24 hours and while dated this wharton school piece is it's dated in uh, late september of 2018 and the the headline was uh, a speculation that could could the next financial crisis be uh, born out of the oil fracking uh, i'm going to say debacle uh, and the reason I, I say the oil fracking debacle is that an inordinate amount of money has been rolled into uh, developing all these basins where oil is fracked uh, through the continental United States. Uh, an, an inordinate amount of money has been spent there. And nobody's making money fracking oil. Okay. So, and yet, yet the amount, the amount of dollars being spent there are unprecedented like unprecedented amounts of money are being spent and every barrel of oil is being produced in, in, in the Permian and then in, 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 in the fracking and the shale oil. Every barrel of oil that's being produced is being produced at a loss. And people that will tell you that they now have, have ways to frack oil cheap, they're lying to you because, you know, the results are there. Like m- nobody's making money. Okay. And nobody's making money fracking natural gas either and i mean if we take the major if we take the major uh, 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 natural gas fracking fields in america we've got the marcellus the barnett the fayetteville and the haynesville as the as four major major uh gas fracking fields and like to give you the break evens on on what the natural gas price needs for these guys to make a penny Uh, In Marcellus, they need $3.16 to break even. In in Barnett, they need $4.03 per million BTU to to break even. In uh, Fayetteville, they need $3.60 per million BTU to to break even. And in Haynesville, they need $3.26 per unit to to make money. Well, the current price of natural gas is $2.40 dollars 40 so they're all underwater, they're all losing money on every incremental unit of natural gas that they produce. But I guess they're going to make it up on volume. And you know, and I so I start thinking to myself and really have examined my own in my own head, why is this occurring? This has been going on now for a number of years where losses are being sustained and despite losses there continues to be more and more and more money plugged into this area. And it's almost like somebody has a secret stash of money and can afford to sustain losses almost indefinitely, or so it would appear. So then I think about, okay, well, so America is producing an awful lot of energy, but they're not making money doing it. What What, what is it that would make them want to do that? And that's when i start thinking about the rest of the world or as somebody famously said you know the rest of the story and the rest of the story goes something like this Uh, venezuela used to sell all of their crude oil for dollars and russia used to sell all of their crude oil for dollars and iran used to sell all of their crude oil for dollars and Iraq used to sell all of their crude oil for dollars. And up until very recently, uh, Saudi Arabia sold all their crude oil for dollars, but I believe they are now selling some of their oil for other than dollars. So we have many millions of barrels of oil that were formerly transacted in dollars. And these barrels are now being priced in other currencies. But the dollars in the world that formerly bought that oil are now basically, we're looking for a home. And they didn't have a home. So America had to create a home for those dollars, which is why America has ramped up their crude oil production from a low point in the 2004 to 2008 time period of bottoming under 4 million barrels a day America is now producing twelve and a half million barrels of oil a day making them the world's largest producer of crude oil surpassing Saudi Arabia and these these barrels that America is producing are all being sold for dollars and These are the displaced dollars that formerly were being used to buy Iranian, Venezuelan, um, uh, Russian oil and, and 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 something had to be created or or a place a home for those dollars. Let's just say that the the dollars that were left over when Venezuela, Russia, and Iran stopped selling for dollars, they created a spill on the floor, and they needed a sponge to soak them up. That's why American crude oil has gone up dramatically, and that's why it's forecasted to continue to grow, even though they're taking losses on every incremental barrel they're producing. Because global dollar rejection is is why America had to ramp up oil production to begin with. And global dollar rejection is accelerating. So, and this is not gonna stop. So America's gonna need to continue to produce more and more and more dollars to soak up more and more oil priced in dollars that America will produce at a loss. And how that's being funded, you might want to check in with Catherine Austin Fitz and Dr. Mark Skidmore as to how that could be financed. Because we've got, we've got the US Treasury with a, with an adjunct called the Exchange Stabilization Fund, where they've salted away, very likely, $21 trillion in in black market money. At least. Yeah, and, and, and this money is being used to finance basically the Salvation or, or, or the Maintenance Fund to keep the dollar relevant. And, and you see, creating all this extra oil and pricing it in dollars makes the dollar look strong because it's soaking up the excess dollars. But the fact of the matter is nobody that's producing these incremental barrels is earning a penny. They in fact they're they're all hemorrhaging cash. And the fact that all these dollars are going into something that's hemorrhaging cash and losing money is the real reason why there's been no inflation. Because all these excess unwanted dollars are, are financing losing operations. If, if these dollars were going into anything that made money, the, the returns would be being invested and would be causing observable inflation. But the opposite is occurring, and the dollars are disappearing. The same, the same way that the U.S. military can spend $7 trillion over the past 15 years blowing crap up in the sand and we don't experience any inflation even though seven trillion has been directed into the in, into, into the military industrial complex and you know people say well you know you know all this money's being spent and there's no inflation well you're, you're right because all we have is, is pock marks in the sand the money's gone okay but the money was created and the money's gone same thing with the fracking business. The energy is being created, being priced in dollars, but there's, but there's no profits. There's no profits to cause deleterious effects of inflation. And, and the money just disappears in, basically into a, dark, into a black hole. But, but what it does is it allows the stewards of the world reserve currency, the U.S. dollar, to live to fight another day. And that's what they're doing. And that's what's motivating them. And this is what the deep state is really all about because these people are absolutely uh, maniacally uh, devoted to maintenance of the dollar standard and the dollar standard is going to die because foreigners are rejecting dollars at 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 too fast a rate and you can only fund these you know these white elephants these industries that never make money like it you know a fraud a fraud that's that in your face it grows long in the tooth before you know it and you know we're 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 starting to see the effects of this because th- this is this is this is only accelerating the isolation of America and it's accelerating rejection of the dollar and there will come a day when foreigners will collectively say no more dollars in trade the day's coming
4: um you told a story about robert rubin who was a former treasury secretary and he's quoted as saying we do stupid things would you just yeah to give some context to what sure. they're doing i mean because um, my question to you in the pre-interview was what's the end game are they going to have a new dollar or are they going to have a new thing but tell let's start there with robert rubin because that was an excellent yeah. explanation of what's going on
5: well i mean in robert rubin's autobiography he 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 speaks of the mexican financial crisis in the late 1990s and in referencing that crisis he he explains that sometimes we in treasury make very very bad decisions and but these bad decisions are more than warranted if they help delay a collapse for 6 or 9 months so he was all he was doing. It was a, it was sort of a glimpse of candor in how the motivation in the Treasury really works when they're faced with a crisis. If they can buy time, if they can buy a little bit of time, then it, it's it's you know any cost is worthwhile. And and I mean this this is coming directly from the horse's mouth. This is Reuben. In, in crisis mode and explaining the, the, way they, the way they rationalize and think. You know, kicking the can down the road for six or nine months is justification for making horrifically horrible decisions.
4: They did the Mexican debt crisis. They had to fund them $20 billion or something. Yeah. You know, so it's like all of a sudden, Shazam, that went away. But you, you say there's a reason why they were doing that. Why were they doing that? Why did well, they just let the, them, you know, collapse? Why did not they just let that go down?
5: Well, oh, well, I mean, I mean, because that because that crisis, I mean, basically was followed in short order by the uh, by the long term capital crisis. Yeah, yeah. And and, and the long term capital crisis at the root of that one was the notion that Italy had leased a bunch of gold and invested the proceeds with long term capital, and then when. When Italy leased the gold, the gold left the Italian vaults. It got sold into the market, and the proceeds were invested with long-term capital. So when when long-term capital went bust because they made a huge leverage bet on Russian bonds, and then Russia defaulted on the bonds, if this had been worked out publicly, we would have known that Italy financially didn't qualify for the euro. And if Italy didn't qualify for the Euro, um, I, would, I would argue strongly that the Euro would have been stillborn. And there wouldn't have been a Euro. And if there hadn't been a Euro, then the globalist wet dream of one world government would have had a serious wrench thrown in its spokes. And that wasn't going to be allowed to happen under any circumstances by the globalist dirtbags who, who run the likes of the IMF, the World Bank, and that's why the workout of long-term capital had to be done in super secrecy, and why they had to enlist their their Mr. Fixit, James Rickards, to do a secret workout of long-term capital. And you know, in in when in and when the long-term capital workout was done, it was none other than Bear Stearns that caught wind and was aware that there was a an issue with gold and Italy. Uh, and this is the reason why everyone had to take a haircut and why it all had to be done in super secrecy. Uh, and, and Bear Stearns was very upset that they were being made to pay basically because of somebody's, I'm going to say, illicit conduct with gold. Okay? And, and they squawked. And they squawked at the table. Bear Stearns squawked at the table, and they dared to, to, to speak up and speak out Against what was being done, and sure enough, we we know what happened to Bear Stearns in in the financial crisis in 2007. Uh, you know, Bear Stearns was chosen was chosen to be the fall guy because they had mortgage-backed paper rated AAA that failed. And let me tell you something about that, because. While Bear Stearns absolutely had that paper on their books and in hedge funds contained within the organization, they were absolutely no different than Goldman Sachs, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, and, and, and Shearson Lehman, okay, because they were all loaded with the stuff too. But Bear Stearns was not a team player, and Bear Stearns squawked the last time there was a problem, and that's why Bear Stearns was chosen for extermination. And they were exterminated, okay, because there 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 was going to be
1: no
5: no uh, n- no passage was going to be given to them, because because you know because they bitched they bitched when they saw something wrong, you know those years ago.
4: Uh, well, I want to I want to segue <laughs> right into the into the end game because the end game on that little episode back in the oh uh, seven oh oh eight financial crisis was people got the bad the, the people that squat got st- exterminated how does this end with the producing of oil there's there's a limit to how much oil that the united states can produce uh even though i'm glad we're energy independent we don't really have to fight foreign wars in the middle east but that's not going to stop them from fighting them uh but uh how does this end i mean what's what is the end game that they have they just put this off and for what reason
5: um, well, uh, it goes back to the Robert Rubin uh, 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 thinkology. They want to buy. They want to buy time, uh, but ultimately, ultimately, where this ends is complete dollar rejection, and very likely, very likely, a global, a global conflict, which I hope and pray isn't nuclear. But you know, being a realist, I think that the likelihood of this occurring the day, uh, the odds of it occurring that way are growing every day because because the powers that be are very committed to jamming the dollar down the world's throat come hell or high water and the water's getting pretty high
4: does trump uh, does he is he a, lot, a lot of people talk about i've had Wayne jet on mm-hmm. and other people saying they're going to they're going to shut the fed down the fed's going to kill itself are they going to shut it down? Are they going to have a new global currency, or we're going to have a reset and a reset of debt? And uh, my, you know, I have people. On, I just had Egon von Greyer's on, who likes you a lot, incidentally. Uh, and uh, he said, you know, the you, we reset the debt, you reset the assets. I mean, this is going to be painful, but it's going to happen. I mean, every, all this is going to happen. So, uh, you know, are, are we going to? Is is the president? I uh, I know you don't know him. I know you don't have any inside. People, But you're a smart guy and you can analyze things like this oil thing, which I think is brilliant, which, hey, folks, you're getting this for the first time right here from Rob Kirby. Uh, but are we going to have a reset, a dollar reset, a new dollar, a new what's what what do you think is going to happen short of nuclear war? Um,
5: the The dollar cannot because it's not fit to be the world's reserve currency any longer. And this will become in time abundantly clear. To, to to everybody i mean the, i mean greg the movement away from the dollar is well underway and this this is why america continues to scramble to produce more oil every day despite the fact that they can't make a nickel on any barrel they produce so you got to ask yourself you know and i guess so so how long can that go on i guess maybe until they use up their secret squirrel fund of 21 trillion uh, that 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 Dr. Skidmore and Catherine Fitz have have identified and documented,
4: and we don't get inflation because they lose money and the money goes poof.
5: That's right. I mean, you know, you see in the real world, Greg, when when you can't make money at something, you cease and desist. But in in our in our dystopic world where the dollar is king, where the dollar appears strong. Uh, wild turkeys are funded as long as long as they allow in in robert Rubinesque terms as long as they allow or or delay the collapse for another 6 or 9 months all's good and we continue marching to our own tune and,
4: and so the dollar shortage is really th- we have, really have an abundance of dollars, but the dollar shortage. Make sure I understand this. So the dollar shortage. There's no real dollar shortage. They're pumping dollars out like crazy, but they're going into oil, and they're uh, and who knows what else they're going into. But they're going into this, these these non profitable uh, ventures, and poof, they get uh, blown up. And then we do have a dollar shortage because they're burning the dollars to keep the dollar viable as a and make it look like it's being used to buy oil.
5: Greg, if Greg, if I dig a hole deep enough. If I dig a hole deep enough, and if you produce money like the world has never seen money produce, and if we throw it all into the hole, into the hole and throw dirt on it, there will be a shortage of dollars. Okay, so that's so we have a shortage of dollars, but you know, but there's because no- they're
4: because they're burning the excess dollars into these non-profitable entities, and who knows if they're not bailing out Ford Credit. That's another thing that you came up with was. You know i wonder if there's all i mean who knows this could be multifaceted i mean everybody uh, and i'm glad you're on because you think it's a big deal and so do why ford credit gets downgraded by moody's and i know s&p and fitch still have them as investment grade but they get downgraded by moody's and everybody in the investment world is,
5: oh,
4: oh ford's downgraded hmm.
5: no this, i mean this, this is a big event it's a big event in the credit markets and it'll become a much bigger event very very quickly if either fitch or s&p were to downgrade Ford to non-investment grade as well.
4: I mean, you b- brought up the how big of a deal this is, in Peloton, you know, the stationary bicycle, wanted a billion dollars uh, in their IPO, and yet Ford is way bigger than that.
5: Well, Ford has over 157 billion in debt outstanding. Tough old boy. Yeah. get <laughs> what, so, yeah. what could go wrong?
4: Peloton. <laughs> yeah, but everybody, but everybody's worried about Peloton. I mean, yeah. the, the news is Peloton's IPO. They got the CEO and all. Why don't they have the CEO of Ford on saying, hey, whoa, you, you bit. This is Ford Motor Company. This is a global company. You guys are producing real stuff. That stupid stationary bicycle, you know, with a beautiful ad campaign where they're up in high rise buildings with dark and lights around. And they're, I mean, they want a billion dollars for that. Yeah, It's Hollywood. I, I mean, but Ford makes, makes something. I mean, they make the F-150 pickup truck.
5: Hello? Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, g- Greg, listen, I mean, the, the prospects for Ford going forward are not really unlike the rest of the auto industry around the world. Automobiles sales around the world have not been robust. They've been very, very poor and lagging for quite some time. I mean, German automakers, Volkswagen and Mercedes are having difficulties. Uh, Japanese automakers are having difficulties the auto industry globally is terrible i mean it's just not doing well and uh the the, and then i mean a a large part of that is the you know the whole the the way cars are marketed to young people these days like when when i was growing up in my teens i mean uh, i mean ownership of a car was a a a symbol of freedom and uh, uh you know uh uh sort of a coming of age thing and owning a car uh these days is somewhat frowned upon because i mean hey it it increases your carbon footprint and uh you know why own a car when you can just take an uber
4: yeah yeah ridiculous Uh, yeah this i can't figure out why general motors is uh you know the uaw general motors is Going on strike? Do you not read the headlines? Do you not know that your competitors' bonds have been downgraded by a huge raging company? Uh, and, and I wonder if if the if the, uh, the um, Democrat leaders in the um, uh, in the union, uh, you know, a lot of the people uh, below uh, the uh, union leaders are voting for Trump. And so I wonder if they're doing this to try to kibosh, uh, you know, the economy uh, going into the 2020 election when they know they don't have a strong hand to. You know, they're making I don't know sixty five dollars an hour, and they only they don't pay much of their benefits. And I think General Motors gave eighty five hundred dollars in profit sharing last year to people. I don't get that.
5: Uh, Well, I mean, I mean, it's great. You know, it's look, it's the same. Greg, it's the same thing producing producing natural gas. You know, at over three dollars per million BTU, when the price is two dollars and forty cents, and it's like producing crude oil and losing. I don't know 10 20 30 bucks a barrel depending on where you're producing it from uh, but but just despite losing on every barrel it's like you know the old ridiculous cliche saying well but, but we're going to make it up on volume Good. and i mean that, that i mean what when you see that occurring you know that there's something more to the story okay yeah, yeah. and what and the something more to the story in this case the reason, that, the reason the barrels are being produced in America at a loss is because those barrels are sold in dollars. And because there are too many dollars in the world, America needs to... Uh, America... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, effectively, America is a hamster on, on a wheel. And they have to run harder and harder and harder, but they're not going anywhere. They're still on the wheel. And if they don't run faster then, then, the, then the, the true condition of there being too many dollars in the world, the, the dollars start coming home and they create inflation, which becomes unmanageable very quickly because most people can't wrap their heads around how many dollars there are in the world. So you have to make them look scarce artificially. And if that means having every rat on the planet running on a wheel, that's what the powers that be, the globalists, will do. Because they have for us, they have contempt for humanity. And these, these people, and, and, and without, without getting into a political diatribe, I don't believe that President Trump is informed. I do not believe the people around him would dare inform him with the truth because they would be afraid of what he might do in reaction. So information is being withheld from the President and he has a bunch of treasonous dirt bags basically surrounding him and that doesn't speak well for the situation going forward either america's not in a good spot right now nor is the world by extension
4: do he uh tr- Trump is to blame the federal reserve for raising these rates uh you know seven times in 2 years when they raised them twice in 8 years for obama with all the you know QE and operation twist and all that junk uh he is uh he's now saying that if the, if if he's impeached the markets will crash and it will be the democrats fault i yeah, mean could but- could we get a reset a market crash i've had a lot of people tell me this and on one side, I see wow, the economy is pretty well. Home sales just had a good number, and on the other side, they got twelve thousand store closings before the end of the year. So I, you know, candy, I'm having a hard time figuring out which which way is this is this uh, squirrel going to jump? Uh, c- what do you think it, about the handicapping a reset or a crash uh, this year or in the election year?
5: I don't see many bright lights on the horizon, and I think where we're headed is a pretty dark place. Wow. Uh, because realities will catch up to, to 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 what has most assuredly been happening. Uh, th- this, this, this game of uh, deception is going to catch up with the perpetrators, and you know, producing producing unending amounts of oil at, at you know with negative returns. Uh, it, it's it's sort of like saying, how long can you bleed? Well I guess you can bleed until you have no more blood. And I would suggest to you what's going on in financial parlance in America, America's hemorrhaging dollars. And the only reason they can afford to hemorrhage dollars is because they've got 21 trillion of them squirrelled away basically at their disposal anytime they want to employ them. But, you know, if you hemorrhage long enough, You can even burn through a pile of cash that big. Uh, uh,
4: uh. Uh, Rob Kirby, uh, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us your analysis on the dollar uh, glut of dollars being burned into the oil and natural gas industry and how we have an artificial um, shortage of dollars when, in fact, there are many dollars and they're trying to burn them up as fast as they can. I mean, that's that's what's going on.
5: They have no choice, Greg.
4: Mm-mm-mm. Rob Kirby, uh, you're, uh, you have a subscription service, and it's $145 a year. It's been that way for 10 years. Talk about no inflation. I think it's been... go ahead.
5: KirbyAnalytics.com, dot right?
4: KirbyAnalytics.com, $145 a year. You also uh, will email directly to your clients and your subscribers.
5: Yeah, I, I, I try to inter- interface as much as I can with my subscribers. So if they have questions, I do my best to answer them all.
4: Uh, just to uh, let people know, too, that the, what you just came up with, with this dollar, uh, you know, producing dollars at a loss to soak up all these excess dollars, this is a first, folks. This is, it, Rob Kirby came on here and, and put that. I suspect you'll write an article about it, too. Yeah, I'm
5: going to write about it and post it, Greg. Right? But,
4: but, wow, I mean, that is some piece of, uh, I, I always say you know the truth when you hear it, and, i just got hit with the truth and uh, this was some piece of analysis that is makes a lot of sense
5: well it's the way i see it and it's you know greg it's it it, it evolves and it evolves over time and it's uh you know there are times when lights go off in, in your head and you just and you know and you know it's it's sort of like looking at a puzzle and you and, and, you, and you can't put it all together and then a light goes off and you and the, and the pieces just snap into place well and that's believe we're we're encountering right now this
4: uh this makes a whole lot of sense when you lay it out analytically the way you did of course you are a macro uh uh, a macro uh analytic uh a macro analyst a macroeconomic analyst, I'm getting it right. A macro, nobody else calls themselves that, but you are, and I know you are, a macroeconomic analyst, and you're an expert in gold and silver. You're, uh, before we get off, people are going to say, well, ask him about gold and silver. And so before we get off, let me ask you about gold and silver. What are your sources saying about uh, gold and about the the,
5: the price? In, in, Greg, in the, re, in the real world, in the real world, Greg, uh, gold is in short supply. Physical gold is in short supply. Physical oh. silver is in short supply but that has no bearing on what happens in the paper markets because regulators in America absolutely refuse to regulate. You see, we we have laws on the books, commodities law on the books, that state that regulators should not be allowing the circus that's occurring in the paper markets in precious metals to occur. But when you have regulators that don't regulate, these 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 fraudulent markets are allowed to assign any value they want to these strategic commodities, which which are very dear and very scarce, um, and and they've been they've been priced uh, misappropriately not appropriately they're, they're they're falsely being priced, and uh, this this will continue until we have a regulatory regime in America that regulates. And until that happens, um, you know, o- owning some physical precious metal makes sense. Because if you don't own physical precious metal, the day regulation starts again, uh, you will miss the train. Will have left the station, and you won't get any.
4: Well, you're you're you dealing tonnage. Uh, you don't deal in coins. You deal in tonnage. And uh, the at some point, aren't they just going to have a hard time sourcing the tonnage in the real world? For the price that they're, they
5: are, saying- Greg, Greg, they already are, and 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 in certain circumstances, premiums are being paid for physical bullion. Premiums over spot are being paid. Not in every, not in every deal, not in every case, but there are premiums being paid. Okay, and and it's a hit and miss in terms of where or when. It depends on who the owner is. And, and, and how desperate the uh, prospective purchaser deems the beneficial owner to be, uh, who, who may or may not be uh, debating whether they're going to sell. So there's, there's a number of things that go into it, but let's just say precious metal is a lot more scarce than the paper price. You know, for instance, today, uh, the price of silver has been shellacked uh, out, of, out of thin air for no reason, and the only reason that can occur is because American regulators don't regulate. That's another part of the reason why America is facing isolation in the world, Greg, right? because the rest of the world knows that American regulators don't regulate, and you know that bothers them because they're settling they're settling their their their, their global trade accounts in dollars. And you know, as per the missing 21 trillion, when questions are put to American, the stewards of the American dollar, as to how many dollars there are in existence, and they say we're not going to tell you. And you know, and by the way, did, did we did we also not tell you that we're introducing a new piece of legislation called FASB 56, which means we don't have to keep financial books, but continue using our dollars. And continue settling your international trade accounts in dollars but you know but don't mind us because we're, we don't have accounting and we're not going to tell you how many dollars there are
4: yeah 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 it's uh, it's
5: but have a nice day and
4: that's why the horizon I mean this could go you know they, maybe they last for a year maybe they maybe it falls out of bed in a week I mean you know you don't know I, I tell people to get ready and stay ready because it's so tenuous it's so crazy i mean what they're doing is so absolutely and this is i mean what you said sounds crazy but when you lay out they're losing money here they're losing money here they're losing they have to produce this stuff why are they producing all this stuff at a loss to soak up dollars and then you you know it sounds crazy but then when you see the analysis it's not crazy but it's crazy
5: it actually makes sense
4: yeah it makes sense but it's nuts for them to be doing this
5: well i mean it's 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 only reflective of how far down the rabbit hole we we've gone and i mean i mean listen when when you look at the actions of the democrats yesterday and their pronouncements about trump being uh complicit with ukrainian uh politicos in rigging an election I mean,
4: when it in, was in, the Democrats doing the rigging with CrowdStrike and the Ukrainian
5: companies and all that. Arrest my case. So, yeah. you know, it's upside down. But everything is upside down, Greg. Everything in the financial world is upside down. Everything in the geopolitical landscape is upside down. And typically, whenever someone, like when, when, when officialdom tells you there, there aren't enough dollars, the reality is there are too many dollars. So the, and the reality should be, where are the dollars coming from, and what are they doing with them? But you know, the, because that's reality. So when they say the dollar's strong, the reality is the dollar should be acting weak because it is ultimately going to be just dis, dispensed with as the world's reserve currency. So everything is the opposite as to what we've and everything the Democrats. I mean, you, you know when a Democrat's lying because you see their lips moving. Everything they say, the opposite is true. Mm,
4: mm, mm, mm. Rob Kirby, we'll leave it there. Uh, Rob Kirby, uh, Kirby Analytics. uh, I'll put the links up to the website and to your subscription page. Rob, thank you for coming on and breaking this fantastic, um, very interesting piece of analysis on the dollar and oil and natural gas and them uh, basically soaking up uh, U.S. dollars in this industry. Rob Kirby, thank you for joining us today on USAWatchdog.com
5: it been
1: my pleasure, Greg. All right. I want to thank Greg Hunter for doing that. Let's see if I can stop him again. He's wanting to get started. Um, usually I don't play things like that in their entirety on the program, but I thought that interview with the information and the observations and some of the inside things, and there's several of them we can discuss, was so important that uh, uh, it deemed being played today. Uh, there's a lot of information in there and i got even more thoughts about it listening to the second time around i wanted to say before we start off on any discussion about that we got about i don't know 30 minutes left if you want to call back in chris tried to call a couple of times and i answered it but he hung up it looked like probably thought he got the wrong number or something so uh but if you've got any comments on that i've certainly got some observations on it uh Uh, But I wanted to start with something that I had wanted to talk about yesterday. Weekends are long, and on Saturday was, uh, uh, or last week, saw the, and I think it was Greg again. I didn't see it till the end of the week. But last Wednesday, instead of doing a news update like he does occasionally, he had uh, Egon von Gerritz, our Swiss alternate financial guy, Uh, called in and, and, uh, uh, did an interview with, uh, Greg last week. And he said something in there. Welcome, Gary. Glad you called in. Um, He said something in there that really struck me because we've talked at times on here and we get into some of the analysis as deep as, you know, because this stuff is so layered and it's so complex and we don't really know how they pull off a lot of this stuff and the things that happen behind the curtain. But we can look at the things that we do understand and we do know and people that specialize in these areas such as Rob Kirby and Egon Von Gerritz and he was talking about the London Bullion Market Exchange. Uh we, we've talked on here in the past about COMEX, the uh, the clearinghouse for silver there in the U.S., and the paper shenanigans that are going on over there with gold and the ETFs that they've set up to try and absorb some of this money and, and keep it away from acquiring hard hard specie gold and silver and precious metals that's what they have a problem because there's only a limited amount of that so they play and layer all these paper games on top of it and in the comex instance they were saying that here even a while back there's 325 ounces of gold sold in paper for every ounce of gold that they hold So, you know, we talk about fractional reserve banking and how that's set up. Well, this is the equivalent of that over in the metals, except using paper to manipulate the price. But the statistic that Aegon von Gerritz gave the other day about the London Bullion Market Exchange was even more staggering to me, at least, and maybe to you, than that one. And that was the fact that for every uh, the amount of gold that's daily mined in the world, which is what the London Bullion Market Exchange would do, is take mined gold and uh, uh, and they'd sell it there, and it'd be a central distribution point. Okay, and uh, set the price, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. For every daily amount of gold mined in the world, they sell 875 times that much. In paper on the London Bullion Market Exchange. And now we're seeing even another. I think this is first impression information. I, uh, uh, Rob Kirby came up with it. It reminds me in the audio that we just heard in his processes of the process that's gone on with me over all these years in this legal and technical field. But it's like you said, when something comes along and it's the answer, and you're unsettled about it, all of a sudden, bam! It just fits. Everything is like a Lego set. Bam! It just snaps into place, and the dust settles. And I'm pretty sure that's what we just heard from Mr. Kirby as how they're managing the overflow of dollars in the world from their magic money machine, of which we, let me remind you, of which we are the collateral for from birth. Hey, Gary, what's going on, man? Are you getting a drink of water out of a fire hydrant here?
6: Um, actually, I already had the drink quite some time ago. I i, I looked into this uh, stuff before I ever got sick. Uh, so I have some familiarity with it, and I'm going to sound like a skunk at a garden party. Okay. Uh, so I apologize for that in advance. Um, by the way, for everybody, I'm I'm the artist formerly known as Gary Number no. 2. That's right. Um, uh,
1: first of all, Rob Kirby is from Toronto. Correct. Nobody from Toronto can be trusted. Well, you know what I would say about that is, uh, you know a man no, by – well, hold on. Let me just that, add something. Well, let me add something. I know some people from Toronto, too, and I found them to be you, trustworthy. Uh, those types yeah, yeah. of – I'm making a joke. It oh, was okay. a
6: joke. Okay. I, okay. okay. Hey, I, remember, I'm, I'm from Toronto.
1: I, I knew so you I were Canadian. Fun of, Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in any event, um,
0: what he just said is is really completely incoherent.
6: Um, to, to, to say, uh, he said a bunch of things. He, he talked about uh, uh, we're, we're producing oil and it's it's really petroleum products from from fracking, um, and and we're producing it at a at a loss because we have to spend our dollars doing that. That is incoherent. He also well. described the United States as becoming energy independent. Well, we if we produce. 12 million barrels a day and we consume 19 million barrels a day we're we're nowhere near energy independent that that has that meme has been a lie from the beginning let me and and this, this I'm sorry go ahead
1: well i was going to say uh the part of what gives me credibility with what he said is because I also watch a lot of Max Kaiser. Do you watch Max Kaiser at all, Greg? Gary, I'm sorry.
6: I I, I used to, um, but uh, again, my supposition right now is that the amount of money that's controlled by the people we're not allowed to mention, and and Freemasonry and whatnot, is unlimited, and so they buy all sides of an argument and of course there aren't two sides to an argument there is there are as many viewpoints as there are people so, so there there is no aspect of the argument on any side that isn't infiltrated i'm sure there's going to be people on this program uh, uh participating here who who are on the wrong side uh and, and because there's no limit to the amount of of, of a, a non of an entirely fiat currency controlled by a foreign group of individuals. There's no limit to the amount of currency that they can produce.
0: And as long
6: as the currency is accepted, they can buy everything. And and my overwhelming sense at this point is is that people are talking about uh, the dollar eventually going down and money hunger and all those kinds of things. But that's exactly what the people want to have happen. In other words the desire by by the individuals controlling the system is to destroy the united states they want to do that just like they destroyed right. germany just like they destroyed russia oh, oh
1: they not only want to destroy the united states they've got to destroy the united states if they're going to prevail okay and Absolutely. that was That was stated a couple of hundred years ago in Parliament by one of those English guys, Gladstone or somebody, in open Parliament. If we do not destroy this model, it will overturn every monarchy on the globe, was his exact words. But let me just go into something here that's important, okay, because the... The correlative proof of what Rob was talking about, I've been watching Max Kaiser rail about for months on the fracking industry, and he's an ex-Wall Street guy. If you've listened to him, you know his background, invented the Hollywood Stock Exchange, one of the early guys in Bitcoin. He's been on the air over there with these shows for over 10 years, and they've been railing on the fracking industry in a couple of shows on, on the leverage and the amount of money that's pouring into it and the fact that they lose money every day. So Rob Kirby's view on that is correct and it's it's confirmed by Kaiser to me. Okay? And I also but, but know, but I, oh, go ahead. I,
6: I agree with that I, I I'm saying it has been a money losing proposition from the beginning. It was planned the fracking is not new. Fracking is decades old. Sure. It's not a new technology. When, when, the, the, when the, the housing bubble and the rehypothecation of, 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 the, of the fraudulent mortgages into London, all that kind of stuff, ultimately collapsed between 2007 and 2009, the, the, the bankers destroyed one of their, two of their allies, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, and simply bought them up with money. They, they hypothecated out of nothing. And but then they because they because the devil wants to grow it's he always has to grow he's got to control they just started flooding money into into care, and and so they, they they do that and and the and the result of that is our people are sicker well they flooded money into education uh, and 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 so now we have people going to university. Uh, uh, who can't sign their name and can't speak english
1: and walk out they, they've gone and walk out owing a couple hundred thousand dollars in student loans they're shackled with for the rest of your life you left that out
6: they're not going to be shackled with it because what they're what they're going to end up doing is saying we can't do that to these poor people we've got to come in and bail them out and of course when they bail them out who gets bailed who, who gets punished the middle class that's being immiserated and eviscerated well, of course this is all planned. Yeah, well, Fra- no
1: doubt. Is- gary i mean i'm not going to argue with you it's all planned okay but i'm let me give you the counter side of this all right and this is what's been speculated on by rob kirby's friend that i highly respect named jim willie i don't know if you're familiar with jim Willie or not i've heard any of his stuff he's been around a number of years I've heard Okay. I, I stopped that a long time ago, but okay. go ahead, yes. Well, they're very close, a number with other people around the globe that are all, uh, think like we do, evidently, and try and get the best perspective we can get on what's happening behind the scenes from people with knowledge in these in these areas. Okay, And what they've been speculating on for years, and here's the problem. You see, we don't really produce anything anymore. As they outsourced all of the factories and everything through the 90s, through the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff, then we switched... The right, They switched over to a financial operation, and what we did was fi- export all these bogus financial products all over the world. And that generally involved Correct. them pr- pr- printing more money. So the U.S.'s biggest export really since the mid to late 90s, if it's not digital technology stuff and, and a lot of the stuff that's created there by these same a bunch uh they're exporting dollars all over the world and that's the chinese big problem because these people around the world have realized it. that's what the uh uh, bricks and all that movement and all the things he referred to in countries not using dollars to buy oil anymore or using them to sell it you know and so the problem well hold on just let just hold on for a minute let me paint my scenario here okay and so The export has been dollars all over the world for at least 15 years or more. Well, you say that they can do it unlimited. Well, that's not right. They thought they could do it unlimited over there in Germany in the 20s, too, and it ends up in hyperinflation. And they've got to take those excess dollars that are being issued at debt and soak them up somewhere like a sponge. Now, what people floated previously was, and it's total speculation, but there's been rumors since I've been in this the whole 30 years, Gary, that they had piles of rainbow-painted uh, colored money sitting in warehouses ready to be issued. Issued. They're already preprinted, you know, people supposedly had pictures of them and whatnot. And the only solution other than what Kirby has said here today in that interview, the only other solution they had was to come in and do a domestic dollar and then separate it in some way, shape, or form from the international dollars that are floating around because they can't afford to have all those international dollars coming home like the Swallows come home to Capistrano, or you've got the Weimar Republic hyperinflation in the U.S., They've got to figure some way to soak them up. And to me, this sounds like a very logical way because I know that industry's been losing money. And all the people that have a financial background that look at it scratch their head and go, what the hell's going on here? Why are we losing money to do this? So it does appear that that could be a sponge for them. Okay. Whether the other things like Ford Credit that they were talking about there towards the end, I did not know, I had not seen that core Ford credit would have been downgraded by one of the three major uh rating agencies to non investment grade. Okay, and what was his statement? They owe one hundred and fifty seven billion dollars there in the red. That may be another one of these operations. But if they were gonna do it, I would imagine they'd do it with GMAC because they took that over during Obama. Okay, as it governs government motors. So I don't know. It's provocative information. To me, it made a lot of sense. I hold this guy in a lot higher esteem, evidently, than you do. But uh, uh, whatever, it's certainly interesting, provocative analysis.
6: Well, I, I don't disagree with you playing it, and I mean absolutely no disrespect. I'm simply saying that the nature of the problem we have now, first of all, was written about in the Bible. But much more recently, if you've ever heard about an economist by the name of Robert Triffin, who wrote during the course of the 1960s about the problem with having a world reserve currency that is owned and controlled by a single entity, by a single country. In fact, his writings were presaged uh, by a a German fellow by the name of Immanuel Kant who described why a, a single country or an empire could never... Uh, maintain control uh, using their own currency. It always has to be an external currency because the only thing it ends up, it, it, it always ends up with a balance of payments problem that, that, that only can be controlled by having a military. And, and and in essence, the reason why we're in control now is because we're bombing the hell out of everybody. Oh, yeah. We export yeah. a lot of
1: ball. Well, look at okay. the, the uh, five countries that were the big enemies were the five countries that didn't have a Rothschild Central Bank. I mean, you know well, what happened in Libya when they went in there and killed Qaddafi? The very first thing that happened was they set up a Rothschild Central Bank. That was the very first thing. He,
6: he, I, I, again, I completely agree. I, but I'm saying it's worse than that because he had agreed already. And and, and so so these people are putrid, lying oh, yes. Satanists from the word go.
1: Right.
6: And, and there's... There's going to be no way to quench thirst. They want to kill and destroy.
1: They're slavers. <laughs> They're history slavers, Gary.
6: Just, uh, about the fracking stuff, um, there used to be a website called Oil Drum. It, it it's, uh, went dormant, uh, I think, back in 2008. But it talked about peak oil and stuff like that. And all of these issues were discussed at that time because again the, the the product of of fracking in the United States now are are largely uh, uh, the, the, the quality of the of the petroleum product itself is short change short chain and the result is we end up we have to export it because we can't use it uh, because it because it doesn't have the energy content. Um, so, so the 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 whole system is 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 corrupt and and basically my sense is, is that if we hear it if people tell us about it it's to distract us because what they really want is to bring the dollar down ultimately not I think it's getting stronger now it is. okay but ultimately they want they want to bring it down because because they wanted a distributed ledger no currency, and when there's no currency, they'll do just like they, what they did in Japan and what they're doing in Europe now. They'll go to, to negative interest rates and quantitative easing, and basically, in utterly destroying anybody who saves. I've saved all my life, and it's gotten me well,
1: nowhere. Uh, Gary, it's a default. It's, an, it's a technical default, negative interest rate. It's, it's fraud. No, it's technically a default on their commitment on that paper. Because they're already well, okay. agreeing to give you less back, it takes away the time time value of money. Okay, it turns the whole Absolutely. concept of everything upside down on its head, and it's just Absolutely. a premonition. It just they a, can't tell you. Well, it's a premonition of what's coming, and that's why for years, as long as I've ever been doing these radio shows, we've always promoted hard currency, gold, silver, and certainly now the cyber currencies. And, you know, Bitcoin was developed theoretically to solve a lot of these problems. Let me welcome uh, Mr. Darrell, uh, who's decided to join us. Hey, Daryl, had you heard that Ron Kirby interview yet? Daryl. Can I get you today? Are you there, buddy? I see you. What's going on here? Daryl? Well, now I show Daryl and we can't get him up. Gary, can I still hear you? Uh,
6: yes, you can. Okay. I have put myself on mute there. Okay, well, I don't yes. know.
1: I don't know what, uh, why I can't hear Daryl. That's pretty unusual. Maybe he'll pop in. It must be on his end because you seem to be coming through. Uh, Daryl, why don't you hang up and call back, brother? Because I can't hear if you've got anything to add, and I know you do. So uh, the other thing that I picked up that was very interesting in the. Daryl, you there? Daryl! Gosh, did he butt call us or something? Got a butt call from, Gar- from uh, Daryl today on October the 1st. Boy, that's a heck of a way to start the month out. Um, Daryl, I don't know why we can't hear you, but I can't hear you, old buddy. Um, the other thing that I picked up real interesting in that Kirby interview was he talked about long term capital there at the end. Now I remember the long term capital fiasco and the big weekend. Here comes Daryl calling back in. Well, I hit this button and it's supposed to merge you in there. Now let's see if I can hear you here. Daryl, can I hear you now?
7: Uh, audio test, one, two,
1: three, four. Hello, hello, come in. Uh, let me get finished. Can you with hear this. me? Yeah, I hear you now. Let me uh, get finished with this line I was on, I'll turn it over to you. And uh, talking about long-term capital there, he talked about evidently the real reason that long-term capital happened was because of it. Italy set leasing out their gold to be able to grease the skids enough to be able to join the EU in all the shenanigans like they did with Greece. This is a Goldman Sachs operation right there, and uh, that that in, and they blamed it on the Russian bonds. I thought that was extremely interesting. It's the first time I've ever heard that. How you doing, Mr. Darrell? What you got to add, brother?
7: Well, I'm 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 doing real doing real good today. Uh, I was listening to Gary, and I I think he makes some very salient points. Uh, by the way, I'm getting 100 percent feedback in my headset on this.
1: Well, I don't know for why for some reason today, yeah, but I can ignore it. There's no echo on our end, and I it must be on your end or something in the deal today. I would think because I hadn't changed a single yeah. setting.
7: Well, I, I just want to extrapolate a little bit on uh, what Gary was saying. Uh, how this dovetails in with uh, uh, Rob Kirby and uh, Kaiser, and what you're talking about the, uh, the, the the blockchain and distributed ledger crypto is uh, ultimately where they want to go with this uh, for. For the reasons, uh, we need to be very careful with
1: uh, well, let's, uh, let's, how we
7: how we interpret crypto.
1: Yes, but let's differentiate. It in our let's, lives, let's, differenti, and, let's differentiate. Let's uh, differentiate crypto uh, uh, from a token because yeah, they're different.
7: Uh, exactly. Uh, there, there's nuances here, and and, and so you. But the point being is that when they have 100% control over the, the, this, the, a, a token and a distributed ledger associated with that, they will have uh, uh, absolute total control over the fiat, fiat, and if they can then leverage it as to you cannot buy or sell without it and tie that into the uh, social credit system. Uh, uh yeah so anyway,
1: well, I have no doubt that that's would be their ultimate goal, yeah, but had you heard the Rob Kirby interview uh, before today daryl
7: yeah i I picked up on it uh when it first came out uh i I found it to be very informative in uh, as much as what it, he said. And uh, 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 I have a jaundiced <laughs> eye.
1: Did you did you hear the first of the program with the uh, Bill Still video, the little short thing I played first? Uh,
7: I, I tried to, but then I had a phone call and I had other things going.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to put both of these up on the show description today. Uh, and uh, the bill's still information, as he said, and as I agree, we don't know if that's accurate or not, but it sure again fits. It fits, and I think it shows uh, uh, the situation, which is why I wanted to play both of these today. I've got another real neat little clip, but I'm going to save it for tomorrow with Paul since he sent it to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think you all like it a lot too. Anything else going on you wanted to comment on, Daryl?
7: Oh I, I did send you a link to um, some uncorroborated information. I, I mean uh, some some somewhat anonymous information that corroborates uh, that's going on in the uh, so-called uh, uh, patriot Intel groups. Uh, I, I forward it to you uh, because it corroborates with the deep history research I do. And and so I thought uh, I, I very rarely do this, but I did send this to you. And uh, I think if you take a little time over the next couple of days to read through the the thread, you'll you'll uh, identify uh, some important information in there. Maybe we can bring it out later if you find it of interest.
0: Okay. So.
1: Yeah, I saw it right before the show, and I've got you know today's a busy day for me, so I won't even get to look at it till much later. Yeah. Uh, Samuel joined us, re- yeah. rejoined us here towards the end of the program. Samuel, did you find that interesting, that uh, Rob Kirby interview? Extremely. Send it out to all my people who uh, would
3: have interest already. Um, my question is about crypto, and I don't know anything about it, okay? But if Google does have a quantum computer that can solve a problem in 100 seconds, that a supercomputer could would take 10 years then what protection is there out there for anything
1: hard wallet gold hard wallet hard metals (laughs) have them in your hand you can put your bitcoin or any of your coins on a hard wallet cost you somewhere between i don't know 70 and 100 bucks you put it on like you plug it in a usb it's basically a bank vault you unplug it from your computer and they can't do anything to you and you know can, that you have it? You can go. They know a wallet number. They know where it went. They don't know who it's associated to. You can even with They Bitcoin, don't have the keys to it, do they? No. Yeah. Uh, well, you can even, Samuel, you can get a little piece of software. You can take your Bitcoin and print them and go in a hard paper and go put it in your safe and leave it there till you want to retrieve it. You can take that paper out, put your cell phone in front of it. Boop! Your Bitcoin's back in your cell phone.
3: What happens the moment you use it, though? If you can't encrypt it, where it's going, and
1: you're sending it to another address and another person.
3: Okay. Well, (laughs) with that kind of computing technology, it's gonna ping like a GPS phone.
1: I I think when the you know we're in the very early days of this quantum thing. And I think that it, that little blurb they threw out, that news blurb about a week or so ago, was to do nothing. But remember their favorite tool, Samuel. What's their favorite tool they want to use yeah. on you?
3: Yeah. Scare the crap out Fear. of
1: you. Fear, okay. <laughs> and they throw that out there. I saw an, uh, an analysis of that from somebody within the uh, Bitcoin uh, space who was saying it's absolutely crazy they're using that it's the very in- first of quantum computing that they're not going to take that with all the other things that they could use that precious technology for at this point and go s- start breaking in people's wallets and decrypting the coin or whatever they think they well, can do to it this is my feeling on it roger
7: if i might. Like- if I might throw in what somebody would say if they were from Missouri is, show me.
3: Prove
1: yeah, it. Right. Prove it.
3: And another input I got on the same subject from a totally different source, which is the mathematician and, and physicist um, James McCanny. He wrote a book on the predictability of prime numbers. And all our our normal cryptology is based on prime number cryptations. So if that's true, that's not safe either.
1: Have you listened to any Andre Antonopoulos videos? Yeah. Okay. One or two. Not much.
3: Like I said, I don't know anything about it really. Well, it's worth studying.
1: And listen, I'm not saying everybody ought to load everything they got in Bitcoin. Now I take the uh, approach that you should have some all of it okay i think that's the best way to protect ourselves it's all hard money the world's moving back to a hard money standard chris you tried to call in twice and i i answered it but it's you hung up how you doing man you got anything real quick for the show ends well i'm having a hard time connecting with people today i guess chris called in hung up again All right. Well, listen, I'm pretty sure Paul's going to be with us tomorrow. I hadn't heard anything different. I'll save this little clip. We'll play it at the front of the show because it's really, really good little commentary that this guy lays out for a couple of seconds on the situation of today and today's youth. And I think y'all will enjoy it. So we'll play that at the start of the show tomorrow, and I'm sure it'll flow a lot of dialogue and uh, see what's on Paul's mind. We got cut off last week when the Internet went down, and I'm sure he's probably got some more pent-up anger over the Brexit situation that he needs a forum to vent on. (laughs) So we'll see what he does to say tomorrow. So uh, uh, a pretty good show today. We can continue to discuss these things as they break, but I thought those were both really two pretty important pieces to pay. And uh, it's a weird time, man. There's so many things that are so important going on in so many different theaters, and they all intertwine. So just stay tuned. We'll be back to talk about them tomorrow. And uh, uh, Godspeed to all you folks out there. And hasta luego. I'll see you then. I'm going to go see the expats and have some lunch. Ciao, ciao.
3: Ciao, ciao.